Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing, doing show graphics, and much more, and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. And as you know, as we always do, we have an amazing guest here with us today. This gentleman is someone that I met at a conference and have had the opportunity to meet and to get to know. And I'm very excited. He's actually pretty famous. So I'm really excited to have him on and for him to share his story of entrepreneurship and grind and how with us. He originally conceived the idea behind exercise and swerk it from his personal frustrations of trying to maintain his weight while working at a very demanding job and simultaneously continuing his education. He has worked in many entrepreneurial environments in a variety of capacities from software development to product management and executive management. Prior to co-founding Nextercise, he founded CY Strategy, a boutique strategy and management consulting firm focused on providing advisory services to early and mid-stage ventures at Angel.com, which is a subsidiary of MicroStrategy. He pioneered some of the most critical features of the voice application system, leading a 75% reduction of development costs and a revenue increase of more than 100%. At Precipia Systems, he served as a director of technology where he managed cutting-edge research and unstructured data analytics. He also holds a Master of Business Administration from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania with a concentration in entrepreneurial management. During the program, he earned the elite designation of Palmer Scholar, which is the school's highest academic distinction reserved for the top 5% of the graduating class. He also holds a Bachelor of Science from the University of Virginia and is deeply passionate about technology and is constantly looking to solve real-world problems from disruptive innovations. And he's also a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Shout out to the noobs. I'm talking about none other than Mr. Benjamin Young. Ben, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning, man. Great to have you on. Excited. That bio is quite impressive. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a mouthful, right? Definitely. Definitely a mouthful. So, man, Ben... Fresh out the gates, man. Tell us about your entrepreneur journey and getting to where you are now. 
I could actually talk the entire time about that. Give us a synopsis, cliff notes. Okay. I've always been passionate about entrepreneurship. If you kind of look at my track record, I started at bigger companies and each time I kind of moved to a smaller company. And just eventually when I was at business school, it gave me the confidence to want to start my own business. And that's really how I got started. And you learn a lot when you start your own business. And I know there are people out there who are experiencing that and they want to take that leap of faith. I took it in 2010 and it's just been a crazy journey since then. We pivoted three times, but we've stayed focused on what we're passionate about, which is the problems in the health and fitness space. Speaking of pivoting, how did you know when it was time to pivot and where did the company start off as? The company is still called Nexercise. For Mm -hmm. simplicity, we kept the incorporation. We had the same investors and who believed in us. Mm -hmm. And really, one thing that you tell a lot of entrepreneurs, you have to fall in love with the problem, not the solution. A lot of times, entrepreneurs will fall in love with the solution. They're like, I got this idea of this app or this that does this and this, and they're talking in a feature-centric manner Mm -hmm. versus what the problem it's solving. And so The problem when we started about is really about motivating people to be more physically active and be healthier habits. And so that's really the focus of what Nexercise was. And the original product idea that we had was let's gamify fitness. Let's try to reward and incentivize people to exercise. Mm -hmm. And what we landed on now, which is our third product is Swork It, which stands for Simply Work It, which is really interactive video workouts that you can do anywhere. And what makes that unique is that we're still approaching the problem of helping people be more physically active, but we're focused on removing the barriers of the excuses of why. When things are easier to do, it's more motivating. So with Swork It, for example, you could do it anywhere. You don't need any equipment. And you can actually say the exact amount of time that you want. You can say, I only got seven minutes or five minutes or 12 minutes, and it will build a custom workout for you to fit within that time. And so a lot of times if you think about some of these programs, it's like, here's a 20 minute workout. And you're like, man, I only got 15 minutes before I got to leave and you don't do anything. Or you're like, I don't have time to drive to the gym because, or I don't have the equipment and you don't do anything. And so we're about, Hey, there's really no excuse. For example, Last night, I'm on day 70 of, I decided, committed, saying I'm going to stretch because I want to improve my flexibility every day for at least 10 minutes. And I'm on day 70 last night and I'm at a conference right now and I don't want to get on the hotel floor. And I have a stretch routine that I sometimes do, but I busted out Swork It because I couldn't do that here. And I 10 minutes stretch. I only want a standing only stretch. So I stretch for 10 minutes, standing only. And I plan to do that today again, because I'm still in this hotel room. That's an actual example of how it helped me continue this streak versus, hey, man, you know what? Today is not going to happen. Today, I'm not going to work out. Today, I'm not going to stretch. Today, I'm not going to do whatever. So that's an example. There are many, many apps out there. And you said early on when you first started an exercise, you guys had investors no matter how many times you pivoted, which now you're on your third. How did you know that you had something that would work with Swerkit? Because there's so many people who build apps and then well, we've always been passionate. So I had these investors come on with an exercise, with this gamification, because we had about a million downloads at that time, which we thought were, man, that's pretty impressive. We had a tight core users. Mm-hmm. The problem was the business model itself and the reward system wasn't very scalable. And we kind of ran against a wall. And then we were with our investors. We were like, we have a great way of monetizing. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting around and we were strategizing. We did eventually pivot and exercise the gamification and try to take that. That was our third product and take our product and then take it into corporations. Mm-hmm. And we realized that even though corporations say wellness is a priority, mm-hmm. most of them, it's not, if it's not their top one or two business problems, mm-hmm. it always gets shelled. So right. it was very hard selling that solution into the corporations, even though they're like, oh yeah, it's a priority. Well, put your money where your mouth is. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so with Swork, it is very interesting is that this is a little history. We actually acquired the MVP of the app from a developer mm-hmm. and we brought him on board. And the idea was at some point, since we were good at business and monetizing, instead of having a single product, let's go out there and maybe acquire and build multiple products in the health and have a suite. So I was at a conference and I met a gentleman and this is the power of networking. You should always network. My strategy is I network, but I never go network with the intent of trying to push something or sell something. It's just more about organic. You think about how we met. It's not like I was looking for anything. What can you do for me? I don't do that. You just got to be genuinely interested in people. And I met Ryan, who is now our VP of products Mm -hmm. in Swarkit. And I actually don't really refer to the pair. I just call our business Swork It now. And he had built this small app called Swork It. It looks nothing like what it looks now, but it had some of the core principles. And I was like, hey, would you want to sell that and join us? And at first he was like, I don't know. And we kept the relationship up. And about a year later, I was like, look, I think this could be very interesting. A lot of our users are asking for content and exercise didn't provide actual content. We can provide the resources. I'll actually pay you a salary to work on what you love right. and we'll make it better. And he joined the team and then we started putting some resources behind it. And what happened was Swork has started doing better than our other app. It was like getting crazy downloads and people love the simplicity and we completely re-engineered it. Dynamic videos, it, did not, it didn't even have, it had YouTube videos of that looked very homemade before. It looked nothing like it looked. Yeah. Now. Didn't have the color scheme, but it had some of the basic stuff. Right. It was the MVP. Well, yeah. And it started doing really well. And at some point, it started doing so well that we couldn't ignore it. And ultimately, I started taking a look and I was like, there's something really here. Let's put all the horses, let's put all the effort behind this and really let's focus on this specifically. It was tough because I had to let a bunch of people go that were on the other side working on other products. Mm-hmm. But that's another thing of the entrepreneurs. Early stage entrepreneurs, and in general, you got to focus. It's a really tough decision to cut another product that's making money too. That's hard. I cut something that was making money because I knew that the long-term impact was that it was going to be more of a distraction. And I knew that that revenue was eventually going to not grow. I'm glad I did cut it when I did because there were some things that happened later. If I had relied on it, it would have actually been a, a major crutch. Yeah. And then Swork, it just went out of control. We're still a small team. We're, we're, yeah, I was going to ask you, how lean is your team? We're 10 people. Just put it this way. I don't specifically say how much, but we have millions in revenue. We don't have tens of millions yet, but we will get there soon. You have a co-founder. What would you say that people should be looking for when aspiring to form a great business partnership? You need to find somebody who's complementary to you. This is very, very important. I am a creative type. And I am a very visionary type. Greg, my co-founder, is a lot more structured and pragmatic and gets things done. He has a military background. He is our COO and president. And that 
complement each other. We have a like-minded. So what you need to do, you need to find somebody who has a like-minded, believes in your vision or that you share a collective vision, that you have some similarities, like we have a great working style, but mm-hmm. you complement each other. Like if I had found somebody who's just as creative and just as out there as me, it might be tension, but then stuff wouldn't get done. <laughs> you understand? He gets stuff done, but he doesn't have the vision and the foresight that mm-hmm. I have. But mm-hmm. then if it was a me, we'd have all this vision and lack of execution. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll have the 50,000, 20,000 view, but I need some people to come in there like, all right, we got to make sure the bills are paid. I mean, this is the same thing why people, they should pick the same thing in a spouse. You want to have similar goals mm-hmm. and alignment, but you got to have, there's different people. Usually in the household, somebody has somebody who pays the bill and does all the logistics and somebody else is kind of focusing on maybe the social coordinator or whatever. So you want to find complementary things, but you have to have, this is very important. You have to be very crystal clear and aligned on what the vision is. Because mm-hmm. if you have a co-founder, you realize that you're trying to sail two different directions. It gets messy. I use this analogy. You got to be like boats, right? You think about boats in the water mm-hmm. and you tether them together. So the boats have to have general same coordinate because they start going on. It's going to rip the hole or tear it up or they'll smash back in. But there's some leeway along to kind of wave in and out. But you're going in the general same direction. And that's essential. I could talk about that because I've seen so many stories with people have COVID marriage. You have to have somebody you're aligned with. Wow. Create Your Life family. I hope that you are really enjoying this episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and let you know that our sponsors are giving special offers just for you. If you are a fellow busy podcaster who just wants to record and spend the rest of your time doing what you love, like working out at the gym, with family and friends or traveling, use code CYLS for a discount on services when you go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. How did being on Shark Tank help your business? And what was the deal that you made on the show? And what really happens to the deals afterwards? Yeah, this is always a fun story because I have still people that come up and they're like, hey, man, what's it like? So this is my thought about Shark Tank. I love Shark Tank. I would advise anybody who had an opportunity to go on there to go on there. You have to look at the risk versus reward. Even if you don't make a deal on the show, it's great publicity. If you make a deal, they have shown that it is better success chance of it. It's like people want to get back winners. You got to look at it from the perspective. The worst thing that happens, which can be bad, it depends, but you could pivot or whatever. If they trash you. So you have to go in there and say, I went in there with this mentality. Yeah, you know, we have millions of users and they love our product. So whatever you guys say, you're not going to say my product sucks because right. I have validation from the market. Right. So you could say that I suck, like maybe that I'm a bad entrepreneur or whatever like that. And I could take that ego blow if you thought that, but I'm pretty confident. The worst thing I thought was they may not agree with our valuation or they may not agree with our business is worth. And we went in there with an aggressive ask. Yeah, At that 1. time, five we for 8%, right? Yes, we went in there with a 1.5 or 8%. And I was like, this is, even the show producers at that time were like, are you sure you, (laughs) I was like, no, that's what we asked. (laughs) They were at, because they coach you, you go through this thing. And they were like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, like whatever. Because at the end of the day, I had a BATNA, which is a negotiation term, but like I had a range, like I didn't expect necessarily to get 8%. We were willing to give up to 12% at that time because that's how we looked at it. And so we went in and it actually went really well. And you're up there for about an hour, but they cut it down to eight minute segments. So you got to really think about this. Mm-hmm. If you're going to show, they're going to find the most embarrassing to 
because they want to make good TV. So yeah, absolutely. you do something weird. Like I had one brother saying that, like I get dry mouth sometimes. He's like, man, you lick your lips a lot. Like I don't want to be on camera licking my lips too much because it's funny. If you're going to cry, if you cry on there or you get emotional, that's going to get on TV. It just turned out well. We got a deal on camera with Mark Cuban for 10% for the 1.5. You have to get the entire thing. He had a caveat that was valuable to him at that time where he'd also get credit to advertise because at that time we had advertisement mm-hmm. in the business. Mm-hmm. And what is something called remnant advertising? A lot of people don't understand is a lot of times with shows or anything, mm-hmm. you'll sell advertising space, but you may have leftover inventory that you right. can't display ads because people mm-hmm. don't buy 100%. And so it was no loss to us to give him something that we weren't selling anyway, mm-hmm. credit to or, or his other businesses. It was a win-win. What people don't realize is that all you're on the show is you're negotiating usually just is evaluation, like what your business is worth. And there's a lot of other business things that come up afterwards of due diligence. And I've heard something crazy, like up to 75% of the deals that are agreed to on the show actually don't close afterwards. Sometimes entrepreneurs lie. Either party can walk away. It takes such a long process if your business is doing really well. And they're like, no, you got to agree to the original terms. There's a lot that goes on. That's just what happens. This is real life. You have to be prepared to, if you're on the show, for some reason, it takes a lot longer than traditional investment to close a deal after the show because they're busy. I was really surprised. In a VC cycle, the VC gives you a handshake. You usually get a term sheet within a week. You usually close within 60 days tops after they do some things and they check background and stuff like that. In this, man, I mean, it was over six months. It was like four months before we even started the diligence. It's crazy. They're so busy. It was over six months. Did you close? So, Did you? No, we didn't. So your business material changes at that time. You got to understand that. It changes huge. And so ultimately, we both agreed to part ways. Some of the difficulties were we weren't able to arrive at some of the other terms because we had prior investors. If I didn't have prior investors, for example... I could have just said, hey, uh, took those terms, but I had to take other parties into consideration and the incentives just weren't aligned. When you have other investors, you bring in new investors, other investors have some fiduciary responsibility. So they're trying to protect their investment. Mm -hmm. And so there can be conflicts based on terms because there's new priority. New investor may say, I want the priority. There's so many complexities and you're going to deal with people raise money with lawyers. I'm of a big fan of now, if I think things back, like I get it. I don't want to raise any more money for our business. Mm-hmm. Every time you raise money, you have another person looking at you with expectations of what you're doing with their money, and you're giving up some control of your business. Absolutely. And I don't want to give up any more control of my business. I still have control of my business. Right now, no investor could force me to sell my business. However, I couldn't sell my business without the investor vote because they have money in there. I don't have full control in that. There are some things that I can't do. I can't sell my business or raise more money without the consent of the investors. So is your goal to buy your investors out? Or can you even talk about that? I can. My investors are amazing and I want them to stay as long as they want. Mm -hmm. But I would be open to it if some of them wanted some liquidity in the future to buy some of them out. It would be a mutual thing. It's not my goal per se, Mm -hmm. because they're great investors. I don't have bad investors, which I'm very blessed because I hear some stories, Mm -hmm. but Hey, sometimes they want liquidity. I mean, we started the business in 2010. You hear these overnight success things. And yes, we've had these, all these pivots and stuff. But 
I can imagine after the 10-year mark, some of these investors are like, hey, man, I can get a 10x on my money, and we have some extra capital. They may want to get out. They may not want to stay longer. And I would respect that if we had the additional capital or the means to buy them out. What do you feel made you an investable asset, both as a person and as a business? It's important to have traction. Mm-hmm. As a business, they look at traction. Most people don't get ideas invested on. And that's just reality, except if you're a multiple entrepreneur, you've done it before. And so traction, yeah, serial entrepreneur, traction. And I think we sold a good story. We had a good vision of what the future could be. Other than downloading the Swerkit app, what top three things would you tell us to turn our life around and get fit and in shape? I would say commit to a very minimal viable goal. Just stick with something to do it. Say like, hey, I agree that I'm going to do five minutes of stretching or exercise or I'm going to cut out sugar of my diet. It's about incremental change. How important is diet when working to be fit? What advice can you give us about your diet and staying lean and mean? What you eat? I've incrementally improved it. I do something called intermittent fasting. People say it's bad, but it's actually valuable. I don't usually eat before noon or two o'clock every day. That's valuable to me. You'll learn more about a lot of these things. We're actually coming out with a Swerkit Nutrition product soon. You'll be able to check that out, and it'll give you a lot of insight into practical changes of your life with your diet respect, because most of the fitness programs out there expect you to do too much radical change. I'm never going to be the guy that's going to do meal prep and little Tupperware things. That will never be me. What are some things that founders can do in order to avoid burnout? To avoid burnout, big thing is getting people to buy into your vision. Too many founders try to do too much themselves. You have to hire people. You have to convince them to potentially buy into your vision and maybe work for equity. And you have to pace yourself. And you just have to take vacations sometimes. Even if it's a staycation, your body is not meant to go continually. You have to recharge. And I even made some of those mistakes early on. But I, having a business in fitness had to keep me accountable that I couldn't be if I think if I start another business, I would definitely be in less shape because part of me is my image, right? Yeah, no, nah, definitely. So for you, what do you feel has been the biggest personal challenge that you needed to overcome to be who you are today? Focus. Absolutely. I trained myself the ability to say no. I used to have so many ideas and now just put them in parking lots, shelve them and really stay laser focused. It's hard for most entrepreneurs. Like You have all these ideas and you think that you got to put more features into it. Less is more, man. We cut some stuff out and actually things got better. That's Love that. crazy. How do you stay motivated when things get hard or unideal? I'm constantly training myself in self-improvement. So for me, it's about listening to other. Every entrepreneur out there that's successful has a struggle story. Everyone does. Everybody has a struggle story. Mm-hmm. And so if you start listening and relating and you start learning from them, even if you can't get direct mentorship, reading their books and hearing their stories will mm-hmm. get you motivated. Because when you realize that Whatever you're going through ain't unique. It's not unique. It's not unique, man. People have problems. It happens. And as long as you're passionate about the problem, it'll keep you motivated. How do you deal with negative feedback, especially as you were rising? Was it public, private? Were you prepared for it? I have literally trained myself to disassociate feedback from a personal ego attack. People take feedback too personally. Mm -hmm. And I used to do that. If you can disassociate yourself and realize that there's gems in those feedback. I remember I had Shervin Pincher. I think he might be worth billion. He's a major investor. It's way back because I was connected through one of my Wharton networks. And when we made an exercise, our first iteration of app, he looked at it because we had a luck to get an audience on And he told us it looked like crap. <laughs> the little word. He actually might have said 
a worse word that I'm not going to put on the air than crap. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was floored. And, you know, you take that personal because you put the effort to think. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you know what? Looking back, he was right. <laughs> yeah. You got to realize sometimes when people give you critical feedback, number one, it's only their opinion. But number two, that there's often a gem. There's some modicum of truth in there. And they may not have phrased it in the best way, but you got to take a step back and look and say, is there something valuable? Now, there will always be some people that hate you. They, oh, you're just suck. You just have to dismiss those because there's no, no value. In it. That's just somebody trying to tear you down. So if you weren't doing what you were doing now, what would you be doing? Is there any career or hobby that you've always wanted to pursue? I don't know. I can't imagine not doing what I'm doing. I honestly can't. I probably would be doing something in another self-help space, not maybe fitness, maybe mental health. I don't know. My next question is, can you swim? Oh, yeah. I could swim. Well, I'm asking because we're about to jump into the dolphin tank. Okay. Jump me in there. All right. Well, this is rapid fire, man. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What are your goal setting methods and how do you make sure you're growing each year? I journal every year. I write down my goals and I use this one app called Day One App that allows me to reflect back and it shows me every day what I wrote a year ago. It's amazing. What was holding you back from creating your best life? Probably self-doubt. And you have to train yourself to get over that. Top tech that you're using to make your business run smoothly? Slack. It helps me. We have a distributed team and it's invaluable. Favorite quarter model that you live by? Simply work it. It's from Swork It. <laughs> Love it. Favorite or most impactful book that you've read? Recently, The One Thing. It's about focus. It's about narrowing down to the one thing that can make everything else easier or unnecessary. Three jewels that you would tell someone looking to create their best life? Have fun. Focus on the fact that it's a journey and write down your goals. It's a big thing to actually write them down and look back. Hugely valuable. What's next for you? Uh, Really working on this Sporkid Youth Initiative. We launched a youth initiative. Our goal is actually to reduce childhood obesity in the U.S. by 50% by 2026. It's a big, hairy, audacious goal. How can we keep in contact with you? What's the best way? Go follow me on Instagram, B-E-N-Y-C-E-O. So, Ben, we've reached a point in the show. It's called The Turnaround. And so you become the host. You are the interviewer. I'm the interviewee. You get three questions, and I have to answer. Uh, so my only request to you is please be I know. gentle. If you could snap your finger five years from now, what would you be doing? Like an ideal scenario. Wow, that's a good question. Five years from now, what would I be doing? Five years from now, I'd still be doing a Create Your Life series. I have a few other ventures, some real estate going probably married, family, and traveling. That's me. Write it down, right? Be specific. (laughs) Okay, I can do that. Who is your dream person to have on this series that you would just be? Oh, wow. Why? His work ethic, his focus. I just want to study under that dude. I've always admired him for his work ethic and his focus. So I would love to just have a conversation with him. If you could teleport to one place in the world and you could also return, but all you could do is take your clothes and yourself, where would you go and why? So you could go visit any place for like 24 hours and you could come back. I'm going to the slave castles in Ghana, man. That's something that I've always wanted to see. I've wanted to go and have that experience. I feel like it's an important one. I guess mm-hmm. that's more on a serious note. Playfully, I would probably go to Victoria Falls because I haven't been there yet. I've heard how beautiful it is. So I would definitely want to go. Hopefully one day we will actually all be able to teleport. I'm not going to be the test bed yet. Let a couple people go first. Absolutely. Lots of people go first, but they probably start off doing it on animals or something like that. So 
There'll yeah. be conspiracy theories, though. Like, that's not the real person at the other end. They cloned them. <laughs> There'll definitely be that. Ben, thank you so much for being on the show, man. It was a blast to have you. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. And remember to use code CYLS. That's PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273.